They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers. We want to ask the uh, holy angels to join us here and enlighten our minds and hearts to hear more clearly the word of God. So we say Sanctus, 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 Dominus, Deus, Sabaoth, Pleni, Sunceli, et Terra, Gloria Tuo, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. And we ask for the light of the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us your Holy Spirit and enlighten our minds and hearts. So the gospel reading today, and this is the 22nd week in ordinary time, Mm -hmm. it is the feast of St. Pope Gregory the Great. Um, The reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, 31 through 37. Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. He taught them on the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. and they were astonished at his teaching because he spoke with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man with the spirit of an unclean demon, And he cried out in a loud voice, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet, come out of him. Then the demon knew, threw the man, excuse me, threw the man down in front of them and came out of him without doing him any harm. They were all amazed and said to one another, What is there about his word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the news of him spread everywhere in the surrounding regions. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that was pretty clear, wasn't it? That there really is a devil? Yeah. In our modern world? (laughs) Funny thing, we try and deny the supernatural, and it's, it's real. You know, God is real, and the demons are real, and it's not... Not that it's not it's not like you have a, a light side of God and a dark side of God mm-hmm. and God's at war with himself. Mm-hmm. No, God created everything that exists. Yeah. God is the only one who exists in and of himself without any help from anyone else. So God exists as a community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he created everything. But a th- apparently yes. about a third of the angels rebelled yeah. against God. And they fell, and they're demons now. They're, they want to get people to turn away from God and to sin. Yeah. And that's what they do. They try and get people to sin. So when Jesus was walking around, they recognized that he was not just an ordinary man. Now, did they know he was God incarnate? No, they didn't fully know that. Just because the devil is the devil mm-hmm. doesn't mean he knows everything. Because he doesn't, and he can only know what God allows him to know. And he only has power over us insofar as we sin. So... The demons know that this man has authority, and they're they, they're recognizing him as having the signs of the. Remember, as the Irish say, the devil knows not so much because he is the devil, is because he's a very old man. You know, he was there when the Old Testament was written. He was there when you know he was there to tempt Adam and Eve to sin. So when God made man, he was there to tempt them, and he did. And and unfortunately, Adam and Eve followed him. So the demons are real, but God is real, mm-hmm. and. The demons have no power over God. And if we cling to God, they have absolutely no power over us. What I'm hearing, Mary, is, you know, you and I grew up right after the Second Vatican Council, and there was a um, misunderstanding, or what we call the spirit of Vatican II, where even catechisms denied 
the existence of the devil. Yeah. And what I want to share with our listeners that if you ever hear someone who, I mean, it could be the Jesuit superior who we've talked about, you know, saying that he doesn't believe in the devil, those kind of people, if you don't believe in the devil, then you don't have Jesus Christ as your savior. And so what I want to ask you as a biblical scholar, uh, that uh, the the existence of the devil throughout Scripture, even in the Old Testament, the Jews believed in a demonic being. Isn't that a fair statement? Absolutely, they did. And this is one of the extraordinary things about the exorcisms that Jesus does. Yes. You see the Jewish rabbi, the Jew, not the rabbis, the priests, the, priest. the Jewish priests, yeah. the priests in the temple could do exorcisms, right. but they never did exorcisms in their own name. No. They never commanded anything they, in the name of God. It's just like David. When David went up against Goliath, yeah. David says, I come at you in the name of the Lord, right. God of the hosts of Israel, whom you have blasphemed. Mm-hmm. So it, he doesn't do it in the power of his own name. Jesus is doing this stuff in the power of his own name. And the, the, the rabbis, I mean, not the rabbis, the priests of the old law had the power to exercise yeah. And of course, they did it in the name of the Lord. It wasn't in their own name. And so, yes, they believed, they knew in the existence of the enemy, the devil who hates God, but also hates all of God's creation and wants to destroy man and take him away from God. Just on a side note, we haven't talked about this, but this morning I found out about a priest in Tennessee who got the blessing of the Bishop of Tennessee who removed the Harry Potter books because this priest did his research with exorcists and demonologists and found out the prayers in that book are authentic spells. Right. And we knew that from Betty Brennan. Betty Brennan years ago. Years years ago even, years. Before, even before Harry Potter was popular. Yeah. We were at a family conference in Wichita, and she said, this Harry Potter stuff, this is so bad. She said, the spells and incantations right. in those books are real. And I'm like, Harry who, what? Yeah, we and then it was a year later. Yeah, it was, yeah. the, well, the following spring. Mm-hmm. This was in August. And it was the following spring that all of a sudden it became, it was like, wow, everybody wanted Harry Potter books. And I'm like, whoa, that's bad stuff. That's real. And I had it on the witness of someone who had been a witch yep. and knew, you know, what what the enemy's tactics were and what were, what were the, the spells and incantations they used. So I'm like, I don't need to find out. I don't need to join the occult to no. find out everything that Betty Brennan knew. I will trust her word. Yeah. I only bring this wow. up because some of us still today, those books are in Catholic schools. Unfortunately. And they're ignorant of it. They don't think it's a problem. They think it's harmless. No, but it's you not. You see, the devil's the most powerful when people don't believe that he exists. Right. So I use the analogy, Mary, of a boxer. You got two, boxing, uh, two boxers going at it. And one goes into the ring thinking that he doesn't have an opponent. So he puts his hands down and he gets knocked out. Yeah. And in the spiritual life, we have to realize there's good and evil. Right. And that the greatest thing we can do to defend ourselves from the devil is by living in the state of grace by the sacrament of confession. Exactly. And so by going to confession on a regular basis, yeah. you put up a defense. Yes, and by living at the virtuous life and all that. Right. So that's the answer. So don't get frustrated because I get calls by people saying, oh, the devil made me do it. No. Sometimes we actually give the devil too much credit, Mary. Absolutely. And the devil didn't make you do it. Because of original sin, we don't need the devil's help to do evil. Right. Flip Wilson was totally wrong. Yep. We, we don't need the devil's help at all to do evil, but we do need God's help and the help of the angel to do any good. No good is done in this world without, that's why every time we, without God's help yeah. and through the ministry of the angels. And that's why when we see good being done, we give glory to God. 
No matter who did the good, we give glory to God. We glorify God for the good done. But in terms of the evil, any of us can do evil without the devil's help. And the, the deal is the devil has no power. That's right. He's only a creature. Yep. You know, granted, he's a fallen angel. Don't think you can argue with him. His intellect, even though it's fallen, is way beyond any human being. So you don't argue with him. You turn to the Lord. And that's it. We have to turn to the Lord and keep our focus. You know, what is it? Uh, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In all things, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Well said. I would like to pray for right now the folks on the East Coast with that hurricane coming. And I know you have a good story Mm -hmm. to share but let's pray that the people there on the East Coast who are experiencing this hurricane that will, will be able to survive it and uh, actually uh, have uh, a, um, I, I think, a God experience from those things. Show how powerful nature is. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord, we ask you to bless all the people who are in the way of that hurricane, that they may be protected through your grace. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. Mary Danielle, we have a, a story that ties into these Hurricanes. It's uh, an organization that helps when they have natural disasters. Can you share that story with us, please? The organization's name is Team Rubicon, and they were uh, founded spontaneously. What this happened was story. these are mostly retired military men, mm-hmm. and um, there was there was an earthquake in Haiti, and this was quite a few years ago, and they wanted to go down. These these retired military men. This guy, one guy's a retired medic, and he got on the phone and started calling his buddies. And he said, "Look, we could go down there and do something to help these people. We have training. We know what to do." Mm-hmm. And and so then they were trying to find out. Well, how do we get in contact with? What do we do? And in in the meantime, there was a, a lay brother down there, a Jesuit lay brother, and they had several priests. A Jesuit priest had died in the earthquake, and some of the lay brothers. And he was he was frantically emailing to the United States, to the Jesuit communities and saying, I need help. And they said, well, we're sorry, we can't send anyone. You're going to have to find your own help. Well, somehow one of these retired military guys, he knew a Jesuit. Mm -hmm. And and so he got in touch with them. And the Jesuit said, look, get in touch with this brother. So the lay brother was there in, in Haiti and he was just beside himself. He said, Lord, how, how can I get help? Who am I supposed to turn to? The government can't help me. There's no set. The United States government has refused. Our government here in Haiti is not helping. Nobody's helping. There's nobody. And so he prayed. There's a prayer that Ignatius wrote and it's, uh, Lord, teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve, to Mm -hmm. give and not to count the cost, Mm -hmm. to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to ask for rest, to labor and not to seek for reward, Uh except that of knowing that I do your will. Amen. Amen. And when he said amen, his email pinged. Oh, my goodness. And here was the email from this man who was a retired vet who was looking. He said, how can I help in Haiti? So the brother, t- he said, yes, I will meet you at the airport. I'll bring you in. I'll show you what to do. And so these men got together, these retired veterans, they got together and they went to the airport. And when they were at the airport, they met a Mormon medic mm-hmm. and two doctors who were also on their way to Haiti. Mm-hmm. So I think it was about seven of them were all going down there. And then the brother met him and they're picking, they go down, they start picking people up and bring them into a central area where they can treat them. Sure. And I think we're going to have to finish this story. This is such a, a, a great story. What a great point to has a teaser for coming back after the yeah. break. I love it. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. I love storytelling. Can you tell? I <laughs> twisted my wife's arm to tell this one. You're going to love the ending of this story. We'll be back with the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Don't forget about the Women's Conference coming up. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and sign up. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Barbara Nicolosi, and we're having a women's conference here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina on September 7th, 2019. This is going to be a great, great day for you to come and meet a bunch of new friends, wonderful Catholic women who want to deepen their Catholic faith and their understanding of themselves as women. You know, this era right now that we're in, so much confusion. What is it to be a man? What is it to be a woman? You know, the Catholic Church has a lot to say about this, and we're going to hear about them. We're going to hear about John Paul II's letter on women that he wrote from Mary Danielle Barber. is going to talk about that. She's going to talk about Mary as a model for all of us. It's a topic that we can never reflect on too much. I'm going to talk about Teresa of Avila and the interior castle and how a mystical marriage is what all of us should be called to, or are called to as Catholics in our prayer lives, and especially as women in the church. Aileen Blakowski is going to talk about motherhood and homeschooling. And then Father, we have, uh, finally, we have Father Charles Murray. He's going to be the celebrant of the Eucharist. He's going to be here hearing confessions. It's going to be an amazing day. We're going to have an hour of adoration together, time to pray, time to laugh, eat, reflect, uh, grow in our passion for our Catholic faith and our identity as Catholic women. You don't want to miss it. You want to come. You want to bring your friends. You want to bring your daughters, your nieces. That's really an affordable day. So go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and you can register for this conference or call 877-526-2151. The Women's Conference is going to be a great event for the Archdiocese of, of Los Angeles area, Southern California Catholics. You don't want to miss it. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back, and thank you so much for joining us. And uh, so we were talking before the break about the founding of Team Rubicon and how it was founded, and these these retired military veterans who saw on the news about this earthquake in Haiti, and they didn't have any help. The U.S. government wasn't going to help. The Haitian government wasn't going to help. There was nobody. They said, we could go down there and help. And they got, uh, in, by the grace of God, they got in contact with this uh, Jesuit lay brother who was down there in Haiti. So then they're heading down there. Yep. And uh, I think it was four retired military veterans, two doctors, and a, and a Mormon medic. Yeah. And they're on their way down there. And so they get down there and they're picking people up out of the streets and they're bringing them in. And of course, you know, as a a combat medic, what you're trained to do is evaluate, can I save this person's life or not? Because in a combat situation, you need to save the people you can save. And if someone's dying already, you don't take time on them because to take time on one person who's going to die, um, you know, or looks like they're dying already... Mm -hmm you might lose 10 other men that you could have saved mm-hmm. while you're trying to save that one. So they, that was their modus operandi. And so there was this one woman who was brought in off the streets, very thin. She looked very sickly. Uh, her pelvic bone had been crushed. And it turned out that she had AIDS and she was dying. And they said, well, she's got AIDS, she's dying. We can't spend time working on this lady. So they, they passed on. They went on to the next person. Well, they looked over and here the Jesuit lay brother and a doctor had come and picked her up off the floor and put her on a bed and they were ministering. They were giving her uh, 
at an IV medical and attention, yep. giving her some medical attention. And the, the, the medic went over and he said, what are you doing? We can't save her. What are you? And, and the Jesuit lay brother looked at him and he said, this woman is a child of God. Amen. If it hadn't been for the earthquake, she would have died alone out there in the streets and nobody would have ever seen her. But she's here before us now. So we need to love her and let her know that she's loved by God. Mm. And to, to treat her with the dignity of the human person that's due to the dignity of the human person as a person made in God's image. And I don't know if those are exact words, but he was communicating. And this combat medic, this retired combat medic said, in that moment, I began to rediscover a part of my humanity that I had lost. Powerful in my military service and on the battlefield. And so it, it became a very healing, yeah. beautiful moment. And this is, and I think it's all of us in life, yeah. when we get hurt, when we get traumatized, we tend to lose a part of our humanity because it hurts so bad mm. that we don't let ourselves have compassion anymore for people who are suffering. Yeah. We need to allow ourselves, Trez of Lezu, little Little Trez, her little way, yeah. part of her little way. Are you all sitting down and ready for this? Here it comes. Allow yourself a heart that will break. I'll say it again. Allow yourself a heart that will break. Yes, allow your heart to break and know that Jesus mends it all. We will we'll allow ourselves a heart that will break over the sufferings of the people around us, and we will never lose sight of their dignity as human persons. I don't care who they are or what they've done. The criminals, the pimps, the prostitutes, the, you know, whatever. The homosexuals, the Muslims, the people who are so filled with hatred and spew hatred on you, they are made in God's image and they have a dignity. And God wants you to reflect his love to them and he wants me to reflect his love to them so that they can rediscover their dignity as human persons made in God's image. And just beautiful, yeah. you know, and this, and this combat medic that he recognized, in that moment he recognized, I lost a part of my humanity and I need to regain it. And, and what a gift, what a healing moment for him. And he's continued. And then they founded Team Rubicon and now they go, and they not only do disaster um, cleanup and, and pick up and try and help people, they also do community service in That's the community. Awesome. So they're continuing to try and carry on this work of just being present to other people and serving them and trying to help them. And, Thank you. And they took that prayer, by the way, of saying, teach me, up. Lord, to be generous. Yeah. They took that prayer and they made it um, part of their... I don't know how you describe it, but well, it's, it's a prayer that they use. It's yeah, part of their operations. Right. That's it. They that's use right. that prayer. That's awesome. So that's, I think I that's so beautiful. Ignatian spirituality there. There you go. You got a little Ignatian spirituality going on. It's not, it's, it's a good thing because Ignatian spirituality yeah. is very rooted in the gospel. And that was its point. Mary, thank you. Before we get to the, uh, Acts of the apostles, uh, for those who don't know, a lot of questions that are asked on the app, Mary Danielle answers those questions. And uh, I thought would be added to this Bible study, Bible with the Barbers, that we would bring up a question each week. And so we had one of our friends, who I've, is a wonderful um, listener for years, ask a question about Our Lady. 
So what, what was the question? Well, what he was asking, he's asking about in Revelation 12. And what do we have in Revelation 12? We have a great portent appeared in the heavens, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, mm-hmm. and on her head is a crown of 12 stars. And she is with child, and she cried aloud in her pangs of birth, in her anguish of delivery. And then if you read on, you find out that the child is, is the, the one who was born to rule the nations with an iron rod, and he's mm-hmm. caught up to the throne of God. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's a huge dragon that wants to devour the child and can't. So, but the point is, his question was, why is the woman clothed with the sun? Exactly. Well, the beautiful thing about the scriptures is there's always more than one level of oh, meaning. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, when the Bible was written, there, was, there weren't chapter and verse divisions. So if you have to, under, to understand Revelation 12, you have to go back to Revelation 11. Then God's temple in heaven opened... And the Ark of the Covenant was seen within his temple. Well, it's interesting because for the fathers of the church, Mary is the Ark of the Covenant, the new covenant, because Christ is the new covenant. He establishes the new covenant in his blood. And so Mary is the Ark who carried him on this earth. And so when John, and this is John the Apostle who's seeing this vision, when he sees the temple open in heaven, God's temple, and he sees the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, who is he seeing? He's seeing Our Lady. And then you have this woman clothed with the sun. Well, why is she clothed with the sun? Well, the woman represents three realities. It represents Israel. It, it rep- she represents Israel. She represents the church. And she is also the Blessed Mother. How do we know this? Well, the blessed the Israel she represents Israel because Israel is the people from whom the Messiah comes. So she's giving birth to this male child who's destined to rule. That's the Messiah who's destined to rule the nations with an iron rod. That's the Messiah, and that yeah he comes out of Israel, and then represents the church because the church is the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. She is the one that he founded to carry on his work. And she gives birth to all of those who will follow Christ through baptism, all those who accept baptism and receive the grace of God through the church. But it's also Mary, and we know it's Mary because there's only one woman who gave birth to the Messiah. And what's interesting is the church itself teaches us, and remember, the scriptures, they aren't self-interpretive. There, I mean, there are things in the scriptures that, yes, you can understand more deeply the scriptures by reading more scripture because there are things that explain other things in the scripture. But without an authority, you, we can't understand. Right. And it's the church who put the Bible together, the Catholic church, by the way, who put the Bible together. And that wasn't done at the Council of Trent. The Council of Trent only codified what we say is made permanent what was already accepted as the canon of Scripture. The Jews didn't have a canon of Scripture. It wasn't until the bishops of the Catholic Church got together in the late 300s and the early 400s at at three different synods and councils where they said these are the books that belong in Scripture. And so that's where we get this. We have to have the authority of the church to understand. And the church tells us that what is said of the church Mm -hmm is only said and true because it's first said and true of Mary. The church is virgin and mother, okay? Because Mary is virgin and mother. The church gives birth to Christ, 
mystically, spiritually, because Mary gave birth to Christ first physically and mystically and spiritually because she's in union with God. So Mary is clothed with the Son because she's clothed with the fullness of grace. She radiates Christ. He is the Son. And she's radiating the fullness of the truth of God. She didn't ever point to herself. She always said, well, always said, do whatever he tells you. The last words in the Bible that Mary says, do whatever. Bring peace to Cana. And, and if you want to know what else she says, let it be done to me according to your word. And the Magnificat, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit exalts in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the lowliness of his handmaid. From henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. These are God's holy words. This is scripture. And so Mary reflects Christ. She's there as his mother, his true mother. She is truly the mother of God. Mothers don't mother natures. They mother persons. And it was hammered out in the early church. We don't believe that Jesus Christ had a human personality. He's not a split personality. 431. Exactly. He is a divine person who took to himself a human nature, and she is the mother of the divine person, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Before we break, Mary, you mentioned that the church is there to interpret. We even see that in the Acts of the Apostles with the eunuch. That's right. You know, on the carriage. Where That's you, right. You just exactly. Point the out Ethiopian eunuch. Says, what am I, how am I going to learn this without someone inter- you know, explaining yeah. it to me? The church is there. The church is there. And, and what I want to just say, too, is that it seems that when we start having personal interpretations of the Bible, many times churches start popping up and saying, well, no, the Bible says this. The angel came to me and said this. And, and that's where we get all these different denominations, many times by reading the Bible, but having a personal opinion exactly. to a point where you think you've got some infused knowledge that is you know, higher than what Holy Mother of the Church is. And I think that's a big problem even today. Exactly. And it is a big problem. I mean, how many, how many, how many denominations 40, do we have? 40,000 denominations. There's only one church. Christ only founded one church. Okay. You are Peter, you are rock. And remember, I, I can, I understand a lot of people argue over the Greek. Yeah. He didn't say it in Greek. He said it in Aramaic exactly. and it's in John's gospel. He named him Kepha. Amen. And that doesn't mean a little pebble. It means a rock and you are rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. The Greek, you have to translate it a little different because Greek in Greek rock a big huge boulder is feminine and you couldn't give a man a feminine name so you know you have Petros and Petra but that's not the language Jesus spoke it was Kepha and so the rock of Peter the rock is not Peter's faith it's that God showed when Peter when he gave Peter the insight to answer the question who do you think I am Peter is the one who said you are the Messiah the son and Jesus says Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for no man has revealed this to you but my heavenly Father. And that was the Father's seal on Peter that he is the one to be the head of the church. And that's that was God. That wasn't us. And so Mary, we follow Christ. I, I love your, your, she's a Bible scholar, but she's also a very good apologist <laughs> in defending the faith. I love when, I'm smiling listening to her, and I know you are too. When we come back, we'll give you more with the Bible with the barbers. You're listening to Terry and, Je- uh, no, you're listening to Terry, Mary and Terry, the Bible on the barbers, on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back with much, much more to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church.
Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes uh, the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Wow. Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. This is Terry Barber reminding you, there's a women's conference coming up September 7th, 2019 at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Mary Danielle Barber will be speaking along with Barbara Nicolosi. They're going to be talking about true femininity, be who you are. This is going to be for your daughters, your mothers. Every woman should be at this conference. And the way to do it is go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Uh, well, thank you, Jesse. <laughs> and here we are. So we, we um, talked about Our Lady in that question in the book of Revelation. Yeah. She's clothed with the sun because she's clothed with the sun, her son, and she's also clothed with the glory of God because God shares his glory with us in heaven. So. And if I can mention to our listeners, if you have a question, a biblical question, yeah. Go right online or go onto the website, right? Yes. And uh, send your question. She might answer it through an email, but sometimes we're going to we'll have it answered one question per show. Right. Because many times we find that your question is something that other people exactly. are thinking also. Yes. And not everybody asks the question. A lot of people think it, but they're like, ah, well. I didn't ask. You know, didn't ask. So we're in the Acts of the Apostles and we're in chapter 17 and we've, you know, Paul's missionary journeys. And in 17, he goes to Thessalonica and he doesn't get a real good reception. The Jews in Thessalonica do not like what he's preaching and they are causing all kinds of trouble. And Jason was a man, uh, a Jew who had accepted Paul and received him into his home and was, was keeping him in his home. As a matter of fact, these guys got so mad, they, they stirred up a bunch of people in the city and they, 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 they break into Jason's home and they can't find Paul and Silas. So they drag Jason out before the magistrate and they're trying to say, now it's interesting the accusation they make, right? These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. He's talking about Paul and Silas mm -hmm. and Jason has received them and they're acting against the decrees of Caesar. 
saying that there is another king, Jesus. Okay, well, the deal is um, the same accusation they made about Jesus, right? He's political. He's going to overthrow Rome. Now, these are Jews. Mm -hmm. They want Rome overthrown. So what are they complaining about? Well, they're complaining because as far as they're concerned, Paul is preaching a new religion. They don't see it as the fulfillment of the promises of the Messiah and that he is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah. So they don't they don't get that. So they stir up trouble. And Jason just ends up paying it. What do they call it? When you go before the court and they, they pay a fine. Yeah. Jason and the guys they dragged into court just pay a fine. They let him go. But in the meantime, at night, they sneak Paul and Barnabas out of town. I mean, it wasn't Barnabas now, it was Silas, because Barnabas went in another direction with John Mark. Remember, they, they split over John Mark, but it's, it, it made it so that Paul was doing missionary journeys in one area, and Barnabas is free to do missionary journeys in another area, and they both have a companion. Mary, I just want to make the connection of how this can practically be applied to us today. Sometimes in our own faith, people want our religion to be a political religion. Yes, they do. See, it hasn't changed. No, it hasn't changed, and that's it. We want... It, some of the times with the religion, what we're looking for is we're looking for actually a human solution or for God to intervene in history in a miraculous way to solve all the problems in the world. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. That's right. He really didn't. There's a reason why we Catholics always have crucifixes. Jesus Christ came to fill human suffering with his presence. He didn't come to take it away. The health and wealth gospel is not the gospel that Jesus Christ preached. He said, blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you when they persecute you and insult you and utter every kind of slander against you because of my name. Okay. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, blessed are the pure of heart. The Beatitudes, read them, study them, pray over them. And the cross. So as Christians, we're not looking for a perfect paradise. We're not looking for an eternal reward here on earth. We're looking for heaven. So the church isn't here to be political. And, and, you know, there are some things nowadays they're trying to politicize everything. They're trying to politicize morality. They're saying that, oh, well, abortion is a political issue. Excuse me. Abortion is a sin against the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. And it's a crime against humanity. Right. And so, no, it's not a political issue. There's nothing political about it except that someone wants to politicize it. You know, they're saying, oh, same-sex marriage. It's a political issue. No, it's not. Every human being on the face of this earth is called to live chastely. We're called to perfect continence if we're not married. And you know what? The grace of God does make it possible. It can be done. We're not animals. We're not animals to be reduced to our passions. Women aren't objects to be used. Children aren't objects to be used. People are persons to be loved. We're made in God's image. It comes back down to our being made in God. It's not a political issue. You know, the sixth commandment is not, thou shalt not commit adultery. The ninth commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. That's not a political issue. It's a commandment from God. And it gives us freedom. Following God's commands give us freedom. And so, yeah, people want to politicize, and it's the same. When Jesus was preaching, the Sanhedrin said, well, he's blaspheming because when he was before the Sanhedrin, he blasphemed. He claimed to be God, so we have to put him to death. And then they take him before Pilate, and what's the argument? Oh, well, he's, he's trying to take 
he's trying to take the place of Caesar here. He's made himself a king. So you can't be, you can't say that he's innocent because if you do, then you're no friend of Caesar's. And so now the same thing with the apostles. They're going around preaching Jesus and then they would bring him before the magistrates and these Jews who bring him before the Roman magistrates, bring Paul before the Roman magistrates. And and what do they say? Oh, well, he's preaching this king, Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom. He, his kingdom is, among us, it's within us, but it's the kingdom of God, and it means that we live in the freedom of the children of God in his grace, that we obey his commands, and we are, like this Team Rubicon discovered, we treat one another with the dignity of the human person as made in God's image, no matter what the person's done. We show them that they're still loved by God, and God still wants to redeem them. Pope John, St. John Paul II said, you are not the sum of your mistakes and your sins. You are the sum of God's love for you. God loves us. And that's so, you know, they're trying to pull this, this cord that, that, um, well, they're just political and it's like, no, and, and don't politicize the 10 commandments. We as Christians have to follow the 10 commandments and it's not a political thing. And by the way, not just as Christians, anyone who wants peace and freedom in this world has to follow the commandments of God. Right. And that's, that's reality. So, they have to move on from Thessalonica because there's just too much trouble. The, mm. the Jews in Thessalonica are not going to accept. Now, there were some, Jason, obviously, and there were a few others, and then there were some devout Greeks who became believers. So they go to another town. It's called Beroia. And what's interesting in Beroia is they are accepted by the Jews, but it's the Jews of Beroia were apparently very devout people who were simply looking for the truth. They were the only ones who did not reject Paul's teaching. They immediately began to search the scriptures, which led them to discover the truth of the gospels. They found out that what Paul was preaching was absolutely true. Mm. They looked back to the word of God and they're like, oh my word, this, he, he is preaching the Messiah. The mm. Messiah has come. And so these men, they, they accept the word. And St. Athanasius says, in order to study and understand the scriptures, one needs to live a clean life and have a pure soul. So these Jews in Beoria, Be- Beroia, were men and women of clean hearts who were really trying to follow the Lord. And each one of us needs to look into our heart and ask, are we trying to follow the Lord? Or is, it, is there something else going on in our heart? What is in our heart? Mary, that makes me think that when two people can read the scriptures and one can read the scriptures, but they're not open with an open heart. Maybe they're living a life that's contrary to the readings. Exactly. They're not going to receive the same grace that somebody who is searching for truth and open to God's life in their world, in their in their own in their own life. the uh, The effect will be different because of their openness. And that's so true. And what's interesting is that's exactly what Saint Gregory of Nyssa, in his commentary on the life of Moses, he wrote. It is a fact that the teaching of the truth is differently received depending on the listener's disposition. Yeah, St. Thomas says that too. The word shows everyone what is good and what is bad. Okay. If a person is dis- predisposed to do what is proclaimed to him, his soul is in the light. If he is not, and he has not decided to fix his soul's gaze on the light of truth, then he will remain in darkness and ignorance. Mary, that principle that you just read applies to us today. For example, 
if we're not living a sacramental life in the church and we wonder why we're having difficulty following Christ, we have to ask ourselves, well, am I living a life of Christ trying to stay close through being in the state of grace by going to confession and praying? Am I doing the things that I need to do to live that life according to God? And not doing that will affect the graces that we're receiving to overcome our obstacles in our life. So let's just say be real practical here. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it's it. It's you know, the sacraments work by virtue of the work done. Okay? Ex opere operato. But they also work by virtue of the disposition of the receiver. Ex opere operantus. So if we're not properly disposed, the grace of the sacrament can be lost on us. And we need to examine our hearts and really ask ourselves, am I willing to give up sin? St. John of the Cross says not only sin, we have to free us ourselves. He says to seek God, one needs to have a heart which is naked and strong, free from all good and evil things that are not simply God. We have to free ourselves from any attachment that keeps us from putting God first. And that's the unexamined life is not worth living. We constantly have to ask ourselves, am I clinging to something that is not simply God? Have I put something in my life, even if it's a good, ahead of God? Because that's going to affect the graces that we can receive. We can't receive what we're not open to. And Jesus said, he said, remember, You'll say to me, but Lord, Lord, did you preach in our streets? And he'll say, I never knew you. Well, why? Because it's not those who cry, Lord, Lord, that are going to be saved, but those who do the will of my Father. It's when we allow the grace of God in to change our hearts and to help us change our lives so that our lives come in conformity with the gospel. And Mary, that's why at the end of the day, we do this examination of conscience to reflect upon how well are we following Christ? Because if we don't do that, then we're just not looking at a life of grace. Right. And I want to also add something that is very important, and that is ask Jesus Christ for more faith every day so that your faith will grow. Amen. I hear the music. We're on our last segment, Mary. Oh, my gosh. Goes by fast when we're having fun. Yeah. Hey, I just want to remind you about the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up January 11th. Today's the first day. It's on the website where you can register. I got some great people coming, and you could uh, register by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or calling 877-526-2151. Ernesto from Long Beach. You know, I just wanted to comment, you know, and I just wanted to thank you guys. And I kind of wanted to encourage people that are listening, maybe that are not donating, you know, because honestly, I got to be honest, I used to think you guys were a little too over the top, you know? (laughs) You know, yeah. That's right. If God gave us a lot, you know, and I'm, I have the blessing of listening to all this, I just want to call all the people, you know, I've got five kids, you know, and I don't make a lot of money and I'm still donating to you guys. God bless you, brother. You're amazing. We gotta, we have to do this. We have to do the extra. And it's not even the extra. People see it like it's extra. Kneeling for communion, saying your rosary, saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. It is not extra. It's what the church tells us to do. Amen. You're a good man, brother. 30 years old, 29 years old, five kids, and I thank you guys for everything. 
everybody else, man. Get on fire. Fight for the truth, man. I know what I'm telling you guys. There's I no love it. Out there. This is Terry Barber reminding you, there's a women's conference coming up September 7th, 2019 at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Mary Danielle Barber will be speaking along with Barbara Nicolosi. They're going to be talking about true femininity, be who you are. This is going to be for your daughters, your mothers. Every woman should be at this conference. And the way to do it is go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And I just want to make a little comment here about the, the women's conference this Saturday. Yeah, um, coming up. We were not going to have a mass. We were just going to have the rosary in the morning and then have people go to 530 mass at Sacred Heart. It is first Saturday. So I know there's a lot of people who like to go to, to Mass and receive Holy Communion and go to confession and pray their rosary on First Saturday to fulfill what Our Lady requested at Fatima right. and meditate 15 minutes on the mysteries of the rosary. Well, it turns out we have uh, Monsignor, retired Monsignor, who's going to be here at 8 a.m. Saturday to offer Holy Mass. So the very beginning of the day, 8 a.m., will be the Holy Mass, and then we'll have some music before the first talk, and we will pray the rosary, but we'll pray the rosary at the end of the day. So we'll begin with the Mass, and we'll probably be done that if anybody actually wants to go to a vigil Mass for Sunday or a second Mass, they will can still make it to the 530 Mass at Sacred Heart Parish. (laughs) And and you won't have to go far for going to confession, because I have two Catholic priests coming from 10 to noon and from noon to 2. Thanks be to God. It took a long a lot of work, a lot of phone calls, but we got two good priests coming for confessions. It's going to be a great day. And, you know, if you haven't signed up and you go, I wanted to go, it's not too late. Sign up. Yes. Sign up. Go, to, go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us 877-526-2151. It's going to be a great day. That's on the this coming Saturday, the 7th of September. Amen. Well, it's interesting. If you read carefully Paul's missionary journeys... Whenever you have um, a great trial, prepare yourself for a great success. So mm. he wasn't well received in Thessalonica, but then they went to um, Beroia and they were very well received. But from Beroia, he goes to Athens mm-hmm. because what happens is the people from the, the Jews who caused him trouble in Thessalonica, they come to Beroia and they stir up trouble. And so, um, you know, it's funny about people who want to make trouble. They follow you around, and, and they don't seem to have anything else to do with their lives. I, and so, if, you know, by the way, if, if I'm one of those people who, who says, seems like everywhere I go, I cause trouble, you know, the bull in the china shop, and the, the china is always breaking, it's like, Lord, um, 
help me to figure this one out to maybe change a few things in my life so that I'm not causing all this trouble everywhere I go. So he goes from there to Athens, and now in Athens, Paul notices, he, he compliments the people. They're, they're strictly religious. They even have a, a shrine to a God unknown. It's yeah. like, we got to make sure we get everybody in there. We can't leave anybody out. And so he's, he's wanting to um, make sure, sh- you know, so he's talking to these people. He starts preaching in the, in the marketplace about Jesus Christ. And so some of the men, there, there's a lot of philosophers. Athens isn't the center of Greek culture anymore. And it's, but it's still very, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of that there still. So they, they drag him, they bring Paul to what's called the Areopagus, which is a place where the philosophers met. And Paul gives a presentation of the gospel there as they want to understand more about what this is that he's, he's preaching. And so Paul, he lays out his gospel and he lays it out in terms of, you know, number one, that God is the Lord of the world and he does not need to live in temples built by men, you know, and, and, and then number two, that man has been created by God and is dependent on God for absolutely everything. And Paul's not just quoting the scriptures to support these things. He's quoting pagan authors. Okay, so he's quoting the Greek philosophers to support this stuff. Three, so you don't need the faith to be able to understand these things, that God is God and we are not, and he's totally utter and he, other, and he doesn't live in temples made by human hands, that he's the God of the universe, and that we're made in his image, and we depend on him for everything. We don't need faith to know these things, okay? And now, number three, that there is a special relationship between God and man. Now, we do need faith to know this, okay? Therefore, idolatry is a grave sin. If God is God, we don't need faith to know that idolatry is a grave sin. But there's this special um, filial relationship between God and man that's revealed by God. And in conclusion, Paul exhorts his listeners to accept the truth about God and to repent, bearing in mind the last judgment. What's interesting is when Paul quotes, like he's trying to, he's trying to appeal to pagans, so he quotes their authors, and then when he quotes the scriptures, he's quoting from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the scriptures. So the early church, and this is Paul the Pharisee, okay? The early church was using the Septuagint, so it wasn't rejected by the Jews. And so um, to reject the Greek Septuagint and then books that are in there that you would say aren't in the Hebrew scriptures, well, the deal is uh, the early church accepted the Greek Septuagint and all the books that were in it, and they quoted from it. So Paul goes on to preach to them about this God unknown. He said, I've come to make this God known to you. I want you to come to know him. And then he talks about Jesus and um, to an unknown God. And Paul praises them for their religious feelings. But their form of religion is imperfect because they do not know enough about God and about the right way to worship him. Because they've got lots of gods and they worship lots of gods. They don't just worship one God. Nor does their religion free them from their sins or help them to live lives worthy of human dignity. Remember the pagans indulged in a lot of actions that were opposed to the Ten Commandments that God gave us. And a lot of people like to think of the Ten Commandments as restrictions. They're not. To follow the Ten Commandments is what gives us freedom. 
To act like an animal is what enslaves us. Okay? When we act like animals, we become enslaved. And we treat other people as if they were just objects to be used. People are not objects to be used. They're not commodities to be bought and sold. Every human person is made in God's image as a person to be loved. And they are loved by God. And again, as St. John Paul II says, you're not the sum of your mistakes and your sins. You're the sum of God's love for you. The Father loves you. And that's what gives us okay, our dignity as human persons. So um, the religious Athenians, ironically, are in fact superstitious. Because they have, <laughs> the reason they, they have, what would you say? The reason they have a shrine to a God unknown is not because they think that, um, well, there is a God unknown that we need to really acknowledge. It's more like, well, in case we forgot somebody out there that we might offend and we're going to get beat up by them because we didn't honor them. And I say, like, no, that's not what it's about. You see, our relationship with God is not about, oh, well, I have to appease him and I have to keep him from beating me up. God made us so that he can bless us, so that he could draw us into union with himself. That's why we exist. And, and so we want to, you know, in him we live and move and have our being, Paul quotes. So Paul, you know, he's talking and he's talking about this Jesus. I've come, you know, he, he quotes the authors and he said, in him we live and move and have our being. And for indeed we are his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think of the deity as gold or silver or stone or a representation of art and the imagination of men. The times of ignorance of God over, God has overlooked ignorance, but those times are gone now because God commands every man to repent and he has fixed the day on which he will judge everyone, Paul says. The righteous, and he's going to judge them by the righteous one that he appointed, who is Jesus Christ. And he showed his approval by raising him from the dead. Oh, now what's interesting is up to this point, this is already chapter 17, verse 32, these Athenians have given Paul a a listening. They've been listening to him. They've been giving him a hearing, right? And now he says that the the world will be judged in righteousness by a man whom God appointed and that this he has given assurance to all men by raising him from the dead. So Jesus Christ, yes, he's true God and true man. So the humanity of Christ is raised from the dead by the divinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and when he talks about raising from the dead, oh, <laughs> now they laugh at him. Now they start mocking him. And they say, oh, we'll hear you again about this another time, you know. But there were a couple men who joined him, Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Demarius and a few others, but not everybody. You know, the the deal is he, and he had tried to appeal to them on the level of their philosophy. He tried to get through to them on the level of human truth, the truth. And what this shows is that as good as our human intellect is, and as good as the truth is that we can know with our unaided intellect it's not sufficient to bring us to salvation. 
these people had arguments, intellectual arguments that showed them that this was reasonable and it was worthy of being believed. But they didn't have grace. And this is what we have to ask for every day. This is why Terry's always constantly telling people, ask for more faith every day and ask for more hope and more charity and ask for the grace of true repentance for our sins with a firm purpose of amendment. True repentance. Repentance because a sin offends God who is real. So any offense against God is a real offense against someone who loves us. It should cause guilt. And if you don't believe it, read Carl Menninger's book, Whatever Became of Sin. Carl Menninger, past president of the American Psychological Society, not a Christian. And he said, sin is a real offense against God who is real. So the guilt it produces is real. And 90% of all the mental illness he was familiar with was traceable to the loss of sense of sin. Now, that doesn't mean all mental illness is going to be cured by going to confession. But that start there, because we need to repent of our sins first. Because having sins and not repenting of them will cause mental illness. Read Macbeth. Shakespeare, it's, it's, it's a, Bishop Sheen talked about Macbeth being, you know, a great work in, in psychology because Macbeth d- d- uh, developed a psychosis and Lady Macbeth d- developed a neurosis. They had conspired to kill the king and had killed the king. And then Macbeth is constantly seeing a dagger before his eyes. And he tried to do this to get the kingdom. But then he's constantly seeing other people are trying to take the kingdom away from him. So he starts killing people. He becomes psychotic. And Lady Macbeth washes her hands every 15 minutes to wash the blood off her hands. But what didn't they do? They wouldn't confess their sins. And so let's confess our sins. This Saturday at the Women's Conference, we will have two priests hearing confessions. Thank you, God. And we will have a priest offering Mass at 8 a.m. to start out the day. We'll pray the rosary. Come to the Women's Conference. If you haven't registered, register. We hope to see you there. And read the scriptures. It is God's word. But remember, the church is the official interpreter of scripture. That doesn't mean she's proclaimed on every single verse in scripture. But if there's something we don't understand, we need to look to the fathers of the church and the doctors of the church and see how they explained it. So thank you for listening. I hope you're with us again next week on Bible with the Barbers. It's been great. Um, If you'd like to make a donation, call 877-526-2151. You can also call that number to register for the Women's Conference. If you have questions, email them to us through the app. And we'll try and take a question each week and answer it here, a question that regards the Bible. Answer it here on this show. Thank you again. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.